Happy 2024. So glad you've tuned in to our Linden Road online worship experience. Glad you found us if this is your first time. And you could do us a favor if so, if you click on the digital connection card up above or, or leave a comment here in the chat, just let us know who you are and if there's a prayer request you might have that we could pray for you. And again, we're so glad you've tuned in and we certainly hope it's not your last time. And if this is your spiritual home, as we say, we welcome you also and are grateful you've tuned in and would invite you to use that same link uh, or comment in the chat. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, scroll to the bottom and click on the digital connection card and let us know who you are and a prayer request you might have. Again, just grateful that you're here. As we begin this new year, I wanted to use the Wayback Machine, thanks to technology, to go back to a conversation I had in the summer with a good friend, Martin Welker, who's written a book called Two and a Half Miracles about his journey from being an agnostic to coming to faith and having served as a soldier in a couple military operations. I believe that the journey that Martin was on and the story he's written and wants to tell is an important one and is worth a repeat listen. in our seventh week on this series called Unhindered, and we're going to fast forward to today, uh, the idea that the church today has, is still unhindered and how God is working. And I'm excited to introduce you to a friend of mine, uh, Martin Welker. Martin has uh, produced a book about his life story, and I'm excited for him to share that story with you. It's amazing how, in his own story, he talks about growing up in the church, thanks to the faithfulness of his parents. In particular, I've had the pleasure of knowing his dad, Jim Welker, for the last eight, nine years since we've gotten connected. And just the encouragement that Jim has been. And so I'm excited that Martin can leverage all that his story is about. And so with no further ado, let's go to my conversation with Martin Welker. So I'm, I'm grateful to welcome Martin Welker. We're talking about this uh, this tome of his, I just shared with him, I think it's as big as Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America, but you said it was actually of biblical proportions. Does that yeah, Right. Yeah. And I will my my son uh, ordered it on uh, Kindle, and they actually give a an estimated reading time, which is okay. He said the reading time was uh, 12 hours, which <laughs> I, that, that's pretty fast reading, I thought, but uh, okay. shorter okay. than Anna Karenina. So that's good. Yeah, excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've got the pleasure to get to know you. Uh, I, folks here know about your your father, Jim, and and some actually can remember him uh, when he was a, a boy here uh, ages ago. And uh, and here you are now, sort of next generation. So I'm grateful to welcome you in. But tell us a little about you and uh, just, you know, what, what, what we need to know. Sure. Well, well, my dad grew up in, in Mansfield's, his hometown. Uh, he remained in Ohio, and uh, Springfield, Ohio, became my hometown, and I'm a Buckeye, went to Ohio State, and I went into the Army ROTC uh, at Ohio State. One of my goals in life was I wanted to serve the country in the military, and uh, and so a good part of my life, I, I'd say I had two careers in my life. The first career was as an Army officer, and as the military will do, moved me around quite a bit, a lot of experiences. I I consider myself fortunate I was able to participate in two wars, separate wars, and, and in combat, no less. 
And, uh, and that, those were key to my life. Uh, some of those two and a half miracles that I discuss in the book occurred during wartime environments, although not all of them. Um, of course, got, got married and, and had a couple of kids. My kids still live in Dayton, Ohio. My wife and I live uh, in Illinois, but just outside of St. Louis um, at the moment, about six hour drive to visit our kids and grandkids. I was raised a Christian um, in Presbyterian churches, most part. That's where my dad's connection with, with your church, it was key to our my childhood family's uh, religious experience. And we, we had, I guess, tended church religiously. I remember every Sunday and, and praying before every dinner, my, my dad, Jim, praying. Um, but early on, uh, when still rather young, before a teenager, I began to have doubts. Um, I, I have a questioning, questioning analytical way about me. Um, so I uh, had doubts if there was a God, a lot of it to do with science. At a young age, I, I read some I read Darwin's Origin of Species, probably too young to really understand it, but the whole um, evolution thing. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of people. I thought, well, if, if evolution brought us here, is there really a God? I have, haven't seen God, haven't heard God. Uh, grew up, got a little older. I was a, a young, about a 15-year-old teenager in our Presbyterian church in Springfield. And the, the kids my age were, the, the, the pastor was taking us through a program to teach us about the Bible and the beliefs of Christianity and Presbyterian Church, and at the end of which we were to go before the church and become members. And I, I had to finally lay it on the line and, and meet with them and said, I can't honestly go become a member. I can't honestly say I believe in God. This is too important a thing for me to, to lie about. Um, and, and this is key to why I wrote the book. He really, and I explained why I felt that way, science, what I was learning in school, evolution, what I have not experienced seeing God, and he had no real response, um, and uh, I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping he would con convince me otherwise, but I dropped out of the program, and, um, and that's why I wrote this book. Later on in my life, I became a Christian. I found that there was real solid evidence um, for believing in Christ and God. And I, uh, so I accepted Christ much later at age 38. Um, I was already married and had kids. Um, but, uh, and then, uh, the miracle situation, my two and a half miracles, some actually kind of occurred before that, but after I accepted Christ, they just came pouring in. Um, I kind of, I kind of wonder, a lot of people, maybe everybody has miracles, if, if they look for them, if they are open to that possibility. But uh, so in my book, I write about the miracle, why I believe, what the good evidence is for belief, and then the miracles that came. Hopefully I did that in a way to, to show how amazing these miracles are. And one chapter in my book, I talk, I'm really down on a lot of people's concept and use of the term miracle. I think it's overused. To me, a miracle really has to be something that pretty much only God could have done. It can't be something that happens in the natural world. So um, I'm strict to what I consider to be a miracle to be. My two miracles, I, I think, are, are no doubt even an atheist reading this book. And that's who I'm, I'm appealing to in the book, skeptics and atheists. I think if they read it and are honest with themselves, they would have to think it, 
have to come away thinking, yes, that, that is a miracle. So let me ask you that. So let me sort of the end in mind, you know, as people read this book, and it's available on Amazon, people can download it as a Kindle, or they can actually buy a physical copy. What do you hope people take away after having read your book? It depends on what who the person is when they go into it, when they begin reading. Okay. I I hope that pastors will will buy this book, read it, and, and like the pastor that I hoped would have convinced me to believe in God when I was a youngster, they'll have the book available, have read it, and say, so when they're approached by a skeptic or, or agnostic atheist, they'll reach behind them off the shelf, pull off this book, and say, you really need to read this. Uh, don't let it intimidate you, the link. And uh, there's some interesting war things in there. And and hopefully that will swift, be a tool to, to bring people to Christ. Now, some uh, Christian church members, maybe they have doubts. I think that's pretty common now and then. Uh, so I'm hoping my explanation, the reasons for belief and, and my miracles can help those to be more solid in their belief. And maybe those folks, maybe they have a that uncle or somebody that you know, they meet up at Christmas and or Thanksgiving and always argues about the existence of God with them. Maybe they can cut a deal with that person and say, uh, hey, try reading this book. You do that. I'll do something for I'll mow your yard or something like that. And that might be a form of evangelism. Sure. And and quite honestly, I, I've looked at reviews of similar books about apologetics. And and the, re, the most in, interesting reviews to me are done by the atheist. I, I'll, I'll give them this they seem to read these books with a fine-tooth comb and, and because they want to burn them. <laughs> they can then come back in a written review right. and say, why, why this is a, a bunch of bull. Um, but I hope those atheists uh, attempt that with my book because the, the critical comments they've made, I think I've pretty well addressed in my book. Um, so I, I kind of dare them. And, and they, I think they might be, be willing to pick up the mantle and give it a shot. Great. Well, let's go back to your, your combat experience as a soldier. I mean, how did that help shape where, where you find yourself today? I really liked being a, an army officer, uh, but I, I knew I didn't want to spend my whole life doing it. But I ended up staying in longer than I thought. I did a total of 12 years in the active army that, you know, you know, day, living on an army post day in, day out, doing army things. Then I got out and spent 16 years as an army reservist, which in later days, um, it became it wasn't just a weekend a month thing it became more and more uh of a commitment so i uh i was a military intelligence officer again returned to my analytical way of looking at things i was did often did investigations and inspections and and as i uh i joke i had really interesting jobs that you hear about in military intelligence the very top secret things in the buildings with with no windows and all but Wow, wouldn't you know it, whenever a war came up, suddenly I was in the, the first one, I was in an armored unit with a bunch of tanks. The first war being Operation Desert Storm. The second war being the Iraq War, uh, what I call the second Iraq War. And, uh, and then I'm in an infantry unit training Iraqi, an Iraqi infantry unit while they conduct their operations. Yeah, I met a lot of great people in the military. It's, it was, it's, it's a good way of life. And uh, and like it had the uh, some hairy times, not not compared to all. Um, thank God, I, I'm in one piece. You know, right. I, I was never wounded. 
came close to it, but that, that, especially in one time, that might be one of those miracles. Uh, it was just unbelievable that no harm came to me. Right. Well, let's talk about the miracles. So the idea, the title of the book is Two and a Half Miracles. What, uh, just to tease people out a little bit, maybe you want them to read the book, but maybe to give some context of what is it. And then even the the uh, the sort of the subtitle, if you will, is the you know, memoir of a Christian apologist without apology. So maybe we can, we'll talk about that second part here. I went to Desert Storm and at uh, a key point in the battle, and my I was in a tank unit, we were in four different battles. And, and the last of which, uh, going way back, this was 1991, we were against, the final goal was to take on Saddam Hussein's elite Republican Guard force with his, the best Soviet tanks that were available. And we weren't sure how we'd do. But, but anyway, we did really well. So at a key point in the battle, um, we just won. The war was coming to an end. We were all ecstatic because for, for months for the buildup as we uh, I was stationed in Germany before then. I loaded up everything on ships and flew down there, meet up with our tanks and train and whatnot. You're always, you and your family are always worried, like, how's this going to work out? Uh, our last war had been, I don't know, 15 years prior, Vietnam. Uh, so we didn't have vet, war veterans in our unit, whereas the Iraqi forces, they've been fighting Iran for quite some time, and they had veterans, so... So it, now, you know, we, looking back, it looks like, oh, no problem. But we didn't know that going in. And uh, so anyway, at the, uh, at the end of the war, a key moment at a key location, God spoke to me just, just like that. I'm not sure whether I should tell you, tell you what he said, but he, he just got one sentence. I had no doubt about it. And it was like, wow. Um, and I didn't know how to take it. Uh, there was no one around me that could hear it as well. But I thought that is something I, I don't know. Oh, I, I let me just throw back back when I did not accept Christ as a uh, this is this is important. As a teenager, I did begin praying nightly, every night for God. Please show me that you exist. I want to believe in you, but I need proof. I considered myself and still do a, a doubting Thomas. Um, I know we're supposed to come through faith. That's what. what Jesus once, but I wasn't cut out that way. I, I needed proof. So I've been praying for all those years. And uh, you know, let's see, I was about 31 years old uh, when God spoke to me. He told me something that would happen in the future. It wasn't just, hey, hey, Martin, I'm here. Um, that would have been okay. <laughs> but he told me something that would happen that was totally almost impossible. Like, how could that possibly happen? Many years later, and in fact, my second miracle happens after that. Um, and, but many years later, that first beginning of the first miracle where God speaks to me, it comes to fruition and in an amazing way. And I won't say exactly, but it is like, and that happens. And I said, my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, so that's the first miracle. These miracles, they don't they're not a list like a, a bullet list, like this happened and this happened. It, it, they take some context, and, and that's in right. the book I have to explain what leads, right. what makes them so miraculously. I, the second miracle, God showed that he uh, He knew me, uh, my interest. I, I'm an outdoor guy. Uh, with my dad in Ohio, we grew up hunting, fishing, we even went trapping, 
do all that stuff and, and so many more bike riding, hiking. I, I have a sail, a tiny sailboat I take out. But I've, I've always been interested in nature. When I went to Ohio State, I first started to, uh, first major was wildlife biology or animal science. I wanted to be one of those guys, like you'd see on t TV shows that, you know, uh, tranquilize a moose and put right. a tracking collar on them and wrestle them to the ground and then follow them. And, and so, so God showed, the second miracle, uh, as odd as it sounds, he showed that I was not right with him by having a one of his creation come and enter my life and that was snakes i uh i'm not really afraid of snakes they're not my favorite of, of god's animals but um but they appeared again and again in my life mm -hmm. in in such unlikely situations and when i accepted christ he let me know again with a snake an incident that he, uh, the whole, in the guise of the Holy Spirit, I suppose, let me know that things have changed. And, and I felt it uh, about the Holy Spirit. When I, I decided, yeah, I, I now believe in God. I'm going to church next Sunday and I'm going to go at that altar call. I was a, a Baptist church we were attending at the time. Uh, I was going to go to God. And it, it was just like mere days before that, um, a snake entered my life again. Um, and, and how it, it, the snake entered, what happened to that snake, I'm sure was a miracle. And, uh, and there are other instances, and I admit in my book, okay, some of you might not buy this snake thing as being miraculous, but I continue with other incidents with snakes, snakes in my life that they were always used as a harbinger of something bad that was happen, about to happen until later, uh, I think through prayer. Yeah. I, I, I told God, I'm, God, I'm, I'm tired of these snakes. You know, whenever it got to the point, whenever I'd see one, something bad was about to happen to me or a family member. Right. It, it was like clockwork. And, mm -hmm. and I finally, I, I don't know why it took so long. I prayed, God, please. I just want a snake to be a snake. I don't, I don't like worrying. For instance, I, I would see a snake in a situation and I think, Oh, in two days, I'm taking a business trip flying an airplane and uh, not have to worry and the miracle he took care of that and showed me how he took care of that we can talk about you know what are the challenges so here you've got this life story and all of us you know we if we would take a moment the truth is we all have a story to tell uh but the pursuit that you took and i've known you for a couple of years now as you've been in this pursuit of you know how do you do this and you know how do you find a publisher and then finally how do you get it to be in print and just all the things you've leaned into? And so just talk a little bit about that, because I think as we talk about uh, trying to be a faithful follower of Jesus, we're all called to be, as I said, as we were talking before we, we started recording, is as we've looked at this series called Unhindered and how Jesus, you know, leaves, uh, you know, with the ascension. But before he goes, he reminds us that we sort of have a task with the Great Commission as we go along, so to speak that we're supposed to, you know, bring the gospel. We're supposed to teach people about Jesus and then baptize them into the faith. And so, okay, make it really practical and granular here. It's like, okay, you have this pursuit story to tell that you really think others need to know. And so just talk a little bit about what is it, what is that, you know, what are the challenges of being a, an author of bringing your story to print? Yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, speaking of challenges, there's one I want to mention that probably is that I loved reading. As a kid, um, 
So I thought I was a good reader, but in grade school, I remember a, a notice was given to my parents saying, your, your little Martin is what we call a slow reader. Oh. Um, like I, I, where you read something a certain amount of time, answer questions, I would fail those tests, I suppose. And I even thought, how can this be? I, I spend so much of the day reading books. So I love books, always wonder if I could write one, but that would kind of indicate, well, Martin, maybe you can't. And, and through this whole process, I'd always struggled with the, um, I think it was Paul that says that we're, we're made, God makes us strong through our weakness, something mm -hmm. to that effect. So I was weak in uh, maybe understanding the written word and whatnot, but yet I was made strong by being able to write this book. Um, so I had my uh, military experiences, the, the, uh, the miracles, and I began to think way back wow, this is something. I and, and I knew as a Christian, you should evangelize, spread the word. I, I said, and I gradually realized, I, I think God has given me these things so I can tell others. It's not just for me and to, to say, how, wow, how lucky I am, um, but to tell others. And maybe it could be of use to them. Um, so God, about 10 years ago, I first started to sit down, maybe on a day off from work, and to organize my thoughts, to outline the book. Did quite a bit of research and, and that included, I, I read atheist uh, books. The, the God Delusion by Richard Dawkins was, was a big one. I, I wanted to know what they, I already knew having been an agnostic, what, why I didn't believe in the past. I wanted to see what the, the best of the best, so to speak, of among the atheists, what they thought and address those. Since people, uh, their books were, were big sellers and people seemed to be buying off on what they had to sell. Um, so I worked on it here and there, but I retired four years ago uh, at age 60. And immediately I sat down and really began writing this book in earnest, um, taking all my notes. It was funny. I would so long, I'd handwritten some notes and and uh, an outline 10 years ago when I actually pulled those out, but the, the ink had actually faded. Oh, goodness. That, that it was difficult to see. Right. So I, I, it became my job after retirement. For, for three years, I really hit it hard writing this book. Um, so about a year ago from today, I was finally considering myself done. I proofread it, get, given it to some proofreaders even. And then, wow, now I can get back and relax. Little did I know that the challenges of just getting a book published, it's, it was really difficult. I, I thought the hard part was over. <laughs> I, I began, I, I attended some writers group meetings, right. other people, so, some who just hoped to write someday. Others had actually written books. So I learned from them. And, um, and a lot of people nowadays end up self-publishing. In, in the end, that's what I did. But uh, I started at the top the big name publishing houses, because I, I want I want this book to be read by as many people as possible. And the big publishing houses, they help advertise your book. You know, so they know how to do that better than I do. Um, but they weren't interested. Um, a few would reply back, say, well, people really aren't really into the, the religious thing at this time. And uh, But uh, so then I went with, there's a religious publishing houses and and that didn't go so well either. I don't know. I got some that was disconcerting. Um, some said, "Well, if you don't, you know, give us this money up top, we'll we'll make it, it 
I forget what they call heritage or something like that. They'll print off so many copies that you can have and sell on your own. And finally, I met a pastor, let's see, through, through the writing group, met a Christian lady whose daughter wrote a book with help from a local pastor. Mike Owens is his name in the, the East St. Louis area. And I got in touch with him and my book being, he had written a few books, self-published on Amazon, gone in. He knew the, the software and how to enter both. There's the inside of the book that you read, but also the cover and the art and all that. So for a fee and a very reasonable one, he was able to do all that stuff that it would have taken me much longer to work through after many mistakes. And uh, he He's very good. He read, read portions of my book. He felt strongly about it too, which I was really happy. I was always concerned, okay, I like this book, but will pastors think as well? This is a little controversial. Maybe I have a different aspect that doesn't pass their belief. And that, he, that process took maybe five months. He's busy. Of course, he's a, he's a pastor. He's kind of doing this on the side. And that and the, the artist person, the... Uh, Actually, they, this was kind of redone. You can find many images on the uh, on the, the internet, but you have to pay money for those. Right. And you're get in trouble if you don't. So I gave her the concept and she came up with that and we've been happy with it. And you go back and forth, look at the book. Well, no, you put too many page, uh, spaces here. I didn't want that. I prefer this type of bullet, uh, right. this type of font. And right. so that was the process. Yeah. Well, go back to that that image on the front. Unpack a little bit, you know, why why that particular image? What was it that captured in your mind uh, how that communicates the title and what the book's about? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, in, in reading and going to writers group meetings, they said, you know, have the cover image be something to do with what your book's about. And, and generally what this is, is St. George killing, slaying the dragon which is a myth, <laughs> but it's an interesting story and an interesting image. And there is a definite connection to me and my, uh, as I mentioned, with snakes the, that were a symbol of evil, like that, that serpent. And I intentionally, intentionally had this dragon be as much serpent-like as possible. Um, and I'll throw it again. You know, I mentioned the snake. You know, Satan is known as various form as that old serpent and right. uh, the deceiver to Adam and Eve and, and in the uh, in Revelation and and sin again is uh, Jesus returned to the Pharisees and Sadducees as as vipers, I, I believe is what he said. Right. Yep. So what that is, so it shows slaying, slaying this sin in my life, which happened. And I will throw out the, the reason the, uh, the horse is white, that it ha has some reference to, to what happens in, in my life, too. But and I really liked, I wanted a cross to, uh, to really show up well. So I wanted as much black and white, kind of a stark black and white, but then have that bright cross. Reminds me, as, as I look at it there, also my subtitle, The Memoir of a Christian Apologist right. Without Apology. Um, I, I have a hard edge to my belief. You know, I know Christians were to be loving to everybody and all that. I consider myself a Christian apologist because um, I looked for all the, the information, the data to come to accept Christ. But I, I got to admit, I get a little little tired maybe of the 
the atheist and the and their attacks against Christianity. And I think with them, and I explain in my book, it's not so much they just think differently. I, I think I think on the inside they actually do believe in God, mm. but there's some anger there, uh, and it comes from different sources. And that anger comes out in, in their comments as they uh, debate or, or argue with Christians. So I kind of bring it back at them, and uh, in a nice way, <laughs> I try to be kind of fun. And I, I intend to be humorous with without apology. Like I'm not apologizing about this. I'm not going to back down. Just to sort of pull the thoughts together. I mean, just your whole story of where you know you you, you talk about how growing up in the church and at some point coming to a point of of faith or being, you know, asked that question, joining the church as we would do in our tradition and sort of, sort of a, going through confirmation, if it was at that time of, you know, what the doctrines are of the church. And, and I think especially living today, you know, I, I think a lot of people are struggling with just the reality of, of church and church hurt and just all sorts of things that it's just such a messy time. And so, when you look at you know, sort of the helicopter view, or sometimes even it's it's we have to go a little higher up, maybe the thirty thousand foot view, to look at your life as a timeline of just how God worked. You know, how, what would be your advice or what would be your counsel to someone who's struggling with their faith? Because I think your story reminds me of the story of Joseph in some regards. And, you know, it takes forty years for him to really find his place. Yours wasn't quite that long, but the idea of being introduced into, and I think even being able to question. I think, you know, Christianity at a point years ago was we don't question any of it. But I think today, you know, even the idea that our, our faith is a reasonable faith, it's a historical faith, it's a faith that we can defend, you know, even your term apology. I mean, it's not making an apology in the sense of I'm sorry, but it's really saying, no, there is a reasonableness to our faith. And if you lean into that, you can eventually, and I'm going to guess even the idea of having gone through, you know, two different deployments in an active war. I mean, they talk about foxhole conversions, right? How those things can challenge you in a whole way. But how how cool is all of that? And, and I guess really the idea is in our conversation here is we think about the work of the Holy Spirit and to be reminded too, and just to set the, the context is that word unhindered that I'm using in the series comes from the very last words of the book of Acts. And we find Paul, who's just and not too long after those words are penned about his life is going to be put to death. And yet the word about the gospel is it's unhindered. And so even though it's messy and Paul's in prison and life is, doesn't seem to be working in the moment, there is this faithfulness of God. And so all that to say, if a person's struggling with their faith, what would be the counsel or what words would you offer them as they walk in their journey? In my case, and I'm, and I'm sure for other situations, it is a kind of a long slog <laughs> you go going through life that you, maybe you don't understand it till later on and you look back and just and the, and the pieces all seem to a fit although you didn't know it at the time i i jokingly say in my book use me use my experience i i've gone through all this and i've i've, I've made it easy for you reader read what <laughs> i've done my 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 evidentiary reasons for believing in christ and my miracles read Rather than wait for them to happen to you, just kind of cut to the head of the line, read from the book, and hopefully that can solve a lot of your doubts there. Just being faithful to the task, right? And, you know, realizing too, you know, you can, as you do go, oh, I can see how God's hand was, even the idea of presenting you with those questions at age 17, right? It's like, or whenever yeah. 
was it's like wrestling through those but i also think it's about god's faithfulness and then again if you as the book lays out just how god you know showed up in so many different ways and i couldn't help but think when you talked about snakes uh, you and indiana jones right with it's like really of all the things it has to be snakes <laughs> and, and yet the great metaphor that is and even in the most recent i've seen the fifth edition of uh, indiana jones but there's actually a that that storyline continues through because I think it's we need to be reminded that there's always something that that's in our life that God takes us back through and you know he he wants us to trust him and that idea I think I really love the idea that your hands are open and and invi invite people into that conversation so so I'm grateful I'm grateful to the fact that you've been faithful to writing the book and I'm grateful I'm grateful too for our time together here we're just unpack it a little bit more and truth is there's all sorts of other questions I have and maybe that we can have another dialogue in the the days ahead because just thinking about the scientific evidence uh that uh you know about our, our religious understanding our faith understanding again the idea that our faith is reasonable that how we think about those things so yeah any th final thoughts I, I, you remind me of one thing I, I, and i mentioned that i continue to pray every night until until i've accepted christ and of course beyond but um also so if someone has doubts they're you know not sure if they should really believe this christian stuff or not i went to church still go to church i mean and i in my and to learn and in my sunday school classes i admit i i have doubts and and i had a family and we went to church mostly because because of my parents it was the family thing to do sure. you take your kids and your wife and you all go to church as a family and so anybody should do that Thank you. Thanks uh, for being faithful. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for allowing this conversation today, making time for it. And I'm, I'm excited for what the book can produce. And we invite people to you know, go to amazon.com. You can find the book there. Just search for Martin Welker. I'll put a link here in the sermon notes and in the worship notes if folks want to find it. And uh, hopefully they'll enjoy it and leave a review, right? If they do read it. Uh, leave oh, please I, I didn't that's another thing i learned i i assumed uh they would become swamping in but that reviews I, help good well, I, I owe you one i i read it as on the usb drive and i i actually want to sit down and crack the book itself i've looked through a few of the pages i appreciate the photos you included um so just to give uh, you know an, an, a face to the name and so thank you yeah i mentioned your church i, I mean the key history it has in my family's church attendance so i uh, appreciate that well we're grateful for i'm grateful for your dad and just his encouragement uh, especially over the last number of years as we as we talk a couple times a month just you know how's the church doing and he reminds me of just how he got connected and so i'm grateful that you know god's still working and i'm excited about what our next season might be and so i'm grateful that we can uh, you know share this story together so just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it, uh, Pastor Tom. Thank you. All right. Great. Blessings. Again, thanks for being with us. So glad you tuned in. And again, I would encourage you to consider getting a copy of Martin's book. It's well worth the read. I pray that your week going forward will be blessed. So to be reminded that you've been blessed to be a blessing. Go forth and serve the world in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.